Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is, uh, well, it's either Tuesday, February 2nd or Wednesday, February 3rd, depending on how, you know, aggressive I feel with uploading in the episode. Who's to really say? But, John, most importantly, uh, I don't think football season's ever started this early before. You know what? Uh, after last week, topical, <laughs> it's a groundhog day. It got mm. a groundhog day in the hoops world of wake up, get ass kicked, <laughs> go to sleep broken, <laughs> wake up, get ass kicked. Oh. So, um, yeah, we're just uh, – we're going to take a look at oh, – actually, a lot. we have a pretty good app, I think. No, this will be a good a good episode. Little town in western Pennsylvania, blah, 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 blah. It's never going to end. <laughs> Groundhog Day reference for those of you that are probably it's way too young to know what that is. Worth watching. It's great. Hey, um, hey, before but, yeah, we, hey, football. We got some football to talk. Yeah, before we get into Michigan State stuff, I, I, I got to – I want to talk about some Big Ten movement that took place. Joining Kirk Ferentz in the you can work here until you die category in the Big Ten, Pat Fitzgerald signs a <laughs> fat 10-year extension. And, you know, it's really interesting to me, this specific extension, the life extension, as we call it. Mm-hmm. Pat you know, you'd think he had a ton of success. And a part of it is because Northwestern was so bad, right? Like so bad. But Pat's proven that like they don't have to be so bad. And is he the only reason? Maybe, maybe not. Northwestern wasn't willing to roll the dice. In 15 years, he's won under 57% of his games. They had zero conference championships and they have a five and five bowl record. If you think that that's worthy of a lifetime contract, Maybe it is to your program. It was to Iowa. You know, they've gone since 2004, since they won a Big Ten championship. So, like, yeah, 15-plus years, still a lifer. Mm -hmm. I think if you want to bring it back to Michigan State, that's the difference between Michigan State and the programs like Iowa and Northwestern. And you should be proud of that as a fan, that, like, that's not okay. (laughs) Like, the intentional... Antonio brought Michigan State to heights it hadn't seen since the 60s. And we still said, don't let the door hit you. Like, <laughs> Old man. <laughs> the 
future. How many times do I have to tell you, old man? I just find it incredible. I mean, Pat, listen, don't get it confused. Pat should still be Northwestern's football coach. A lifetime contract. Man, he must have I mean, had some interesting offers for Northwestern to pull that card. Well, I have a feeling this tells, this tells me two things. One, it tells me that the interest from NFL teams, for whatever reason, was more serious than maybe any of us ever really knew. Because not just did, it's not like he just got a raise, got a yeah. friggin' double digit year extension, meaning Northwestern has no intention, no intention of losing him for the remainder of his career, unless he sucks and then they fire him. But I can't imagine, I mean, listen, it's Northwestern. They got the donors to do the buyout if they want, but I don't think a buyout is something they are uh, ever really going to consider because, like you said, he's barely over 500 and yet is getting a 10 year deal. Um, we do talk a lot about self-awareness, and this is where I give Northwestern a decent amount of credit because this is not a program like, honestly, like Michigan State or Michigan or wherever where you can aspire to reach this next level because you've been there or because you know you have a certain amount of inherent pull as a as a school, Northwestern realizes that they have something great. And if they backslide, they might not pop back up. Right. They, it, it just might not happen. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald has the, the alumni thing going for him. He's got, like you said, 15 years under his belt. He has, again, for all intents and purposes, uh, a very successful track record at Northwestern's, made the Big Ten Championship multiple times, won this division. You know, he has a lot that he can sell, and he's done it with. I'll call it mediocre talent at best. So um, Northwestern for them, it's smart because if you, it's a, it is a much, much, much larger risk to try and shoot for the moon by hiring somebody else and losing Pat Fitzgerald. Because the thing is Northwestern, uh, he's the perfect, he's the perfect, perfect, perfect head coach because he's never going to leave for a bigger college football program. I think that much is, is is obvious i don't i don't i mean or i should put it this way there are very few football programs i think he would leave especially now that he's gotten this huge raise to go coach and it would be i think michigan is probably one of the only ones that could realistically come calling and he would actually legitimately be approached by and consider um but he's he's probably not going to leave for a college football program and if an nfl program wants to hire him if an NFL team wants to hire him, it was probably only going to be the Bears. Mm-hmm. And th- yeah, I suppose next year both of those teams could come calling. Mm-hmm. It's very possible, but um, smart of Northwestern to get ahead of it. They they hear pe- teams sniffing around and uh, lock them up because again, like you become a stepping stone mm-hmm. school if he leaves, right? Because I, I just don't know that you find another guy that's going to. As we know, as Michigan State fans, it's hard to find the guys that stick around for a long time. And sure. then you got him, and he's relatively young, and he's had a lot of success. You know, hang on. Well, the other thing, they signed this guy with Jim Phillips leaving to become the ACC commissioner, their athletic director. So yeah. they made that big move kind of with an outgoing AD. So, like, it's a pretty that's, – that's fortunate, I guess, is what I'm saying. Well, and that's also – shows that it's not the ad being the one pushing for this this is the donors this is the the 
people that make the real decisions at that university are the mm-hmm. ones saying, no, we are not. We will pony up. We are not about to let you go. So it's not like he's the AD's guy. It's like in the pros when it's like, oh, the GM's leaving. So the coach is probably screwed. Um, you know what I mean? Like the, the, this was the big the big dogs ponying up to uh, make yeah. sure they kept their guy. So Pat's safe. I got a feeling he can go under 500 for the next couple of years and, and nothing going to change. So honestly, me, more credit to him. Darren Ravel ponied up that, that uh, donor cash. That sweet, sweet donor cash. Um, uh, dude. So that's relevant because seven months from today, if you're listening, uh, I think I'm the third, maybe fourth. I don't know. Uh, MSU opens at Northwestern. So Fitz will be on that opposite sideline and Owen one against your, Mel Tucker fighting Spartans, which I just, I don't know why I said fighting, but you I like it. <laughs> They're we'll hopefully not, be fighting. I mean, let's listen. I like your optimism. They, they could totally be like the, I don't know, <laughs> totally stagnant Spartans or like. Yeah. The slowly uh, drowning Spartans. The farming Spartans. I don't know what you want to do. Yeah. So, the marching Spartans. I don't know. Okay. Other big news. Let's go to Michigan state news. Um, I want to give you some credit. Last pod, you you floated some names that were going to uh, replace Mike Tressel. Um, a couple known names, but one, you called the actual hire. I don't know if anyone else had even considered this guy. So take it from here. You, you earned this one. I don't know if you can hear that. That's me patting myself on the back. Um, not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wish I could claim that I knew something, but I didn't. I just was kind of reading the tea leaves for the most part, educated guess. Um, but Travaris Tillman, yeah, it's exciting that he got promoted. He didn't get promoted to secondary coach. I believe he's just the cornerbacks coach. Um, and I, I'm not sure who took over the safeties, but you know, listen, anytime you can get a former NF, a relatively young former NFL um, player at a position to be coaching young guys. I think that's positive. So uh, he has familiarity, obviously, with um, the scheme, having worked with Scotty Hazelton for a year, and he, he knows what Tucker wants in his program, having worked with him for the last few and coming with him from Colorado. So um, I, I think it's a really smart hire on Tucker's part. It shows, you know, to his guys on his staff that, hey, we're, we're going to promote the guys that are most qualified. It keeps the level of familiarity at a position that, you know, MSU traditionally has really prided themselves on it. Again, this is who better to learn from than a former NFL player for, for some of these young guys. So the other part to me is like, you know, you would have loved to get a, a clink scale because of his recruiting prowess and all that stuff. Um, that's certainly an element to this, but, you know, to promote internally, I think is, is a good thing to do. And it's a really relatively low, ish risk internal promotion i mean this isn't a defensive coordinator it's not an offensive coordinator um it's a position coach and uh, i'm not saying that you can you know that that can't have a overarchingly negative effect but i would think you know in terms of the big risk you're taking this is this is not up on that list so excited to have him um you know hey he he obviously if he was involved with the secondary at all last year he probably helped Shaq brown um i know there's some other guys that could use that same amount of touch here yep. moving forward. So all in all, that's uh, it's an exciting hire. So that means that MSU doesn't get clink scale out of Kentucky, who is a mm-hmm. hot name. Um, but I say who needs him because 
he wasn't able to secure Tyrell Henry, Michigan State's uh, third 2022 commit out of uh, Detroit, who had a Kentucky offer with with Klingscale as the lead recruiter. Listen, I mean, maybe Klingscale's lost touch because maybe we're better off without him. I'm saying. Listen, that's that's that was what Mel clearly saw. He saw that <laughs> Kling just didn't have it anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think uh, Henry's an interesting commit. I mean, you know, he's only. You know, again, for for those who follow the stars closely, pretty much a universal three star, uh, you know, somewhere in the teens in terms of the Michigan recruits for the class of 2022. But um, a couple things are, are interesting. He's at a position of need. MSU is uh, pretty thin at receiver at this point. And that obviously is ahead of any other transfers that may take place. But I think they're only they only have seven or eight wideouts at this point in time now. Some of the tight ends might bump up. You might see Ian Stewart or Cam Allen play a little bit of wide out. But in fact, the matter is they need to add some bodies in the 2022 class. And this is a, a great start. Henry checks in at about six feet, uh, 150, 160, probably will be 10, 15 pounds heavier, hopefully, by the time he actually plays in East Lansing. Um, so he projects probably more in that in that slot position, a Jaden Reed type of receiver. Um What's interesting to me is, like you said, Clink scale recruiting uh, the Detroit area obviously is is kind of his area, but he is also the secondary coach. And it's not difficult to imagine Henry with his size and speed converting over to, to corner or safety, probably corner. Um, so, uh, you know, Tucker is, thus far has not been hesitant about bringing guys in and saying, you know, you're an athlete at one of these two positions. We're going to see which one you do better at and let you play. Uh, I know that's his kind of pitch to to some of these other guys that are that are coming in. I know um, Rayshon Benny, who's expected to sign with Michigan State this week, uh, was getting recruited as both an offensive and defensive lineman. I think MSU is kind of like, well, we're going to see what works best. So I wonder if it's that same line of logic with, with Tyrell Henry. But um, always good to add to your recruiting class, especially early on in the cycle. I think that'll be a pretty sizable class because I wouldn't be surprised if you have a decent amount of transfers out next year as well. Um, as the roster continues to, to kind of take shape under Tucker. But listen, protect that home court. The more that that's the other part of this is, is Michigan State doesn't have the recruiting clout at home currently as it stands today that they had a handful of years ago uh, with Mark D'Antonio. That relationship kind of deteriorated. Um, but now, you know, Mel Tucker's clearly taking things seriously. He got a handful of recruits from Detroit last year in that tough cycle, and now is is really coming out and uh, swinging in 2022. Are you telling me that Tyrell Henry, though, is six feet, 160? Is he anticipating a growth spurt of like five inches and 50 pounds? I mean, listen, this could be one of those situations where he just committed and Mel might not know about it. And he's <laughs> maybe he just misread the 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 measurables, saw six. Maybe he just thought he saw six, six. Could be an honest mistake. There it is. Yeah. So there's a typo. Someone missed something. I hope he can run a 4.140. Maybe that's the exception or something. Anyway, just kidding. Happy to yeah, have him. That's got to be it. It's got to be it. Well, he is now the third commitment in that class. I mean, again, this class is already looking a lot like a Mel Tucker, what we've come to know class, two offensive linemen and big Dooley Phillips and Gavin Brocious and then yeah. Tyrell Henry fit in the mold. So um, exciting to, to see what keeps coming here. So um, other news, we mentioned uh, Pat Fitzgerald maybe was getting some looks um, 
outside of outside of the his athletic department. We believe the same could be said about Chris uh, Kaplovich, the offensive line coach and was running game coordinator, who was recently promoted to assistant head coach. Um, reason reason we bring that up is you don't just promote people just because you know people do a great job all the time in college football. You do it also because they're being courted. So that's a good thing, though, you know, and and one thing that D'Antonio was able to do at at the peak of his years was maintain and retain his staff Um, kind of fell apart at the end. But I digress. The the Chris Cap uh, promotion, I think, is is, should be read as a good sign, um, because uh, hopefully this means you get him for a couple of more years and um, you know, you see where, where everyone is positioned at the end. And ideally Michigan state's run game goes from not dead last in the country to um, I don't even want to reach, but the seventies feels good nationally. Hmm. I dream big, right? I mean, we're going to celebrate an, an average achievement here. That's what we're going to celebrate. Um, yeah. To your point. I mean, you don't, just hand these titles out. I mean, this is something like you said, typically it's, it's a way to keep someone who obviously aspires to be something more uh, at your school for the time being, you got to think that again, like you said, if Michigan state just keeps trending in the right direction, you know, maybe they put a pro or two into the, or a kid or two into the pros at the, on the offensive line somewhere at some time, um, you're Chris Kapilovich is going to get, get some calls. I mean, I, I think all you need, in terms of not on field, but off field to, to see what he's made of is, is the recruitment of Jared Horst. And we've talked about it before, but to, to, to get an offensive lineman to come commit to Michigan state instead of a school like Oklahoma and another school like Texas, I mean, that says quite a bit considering the fact that those two programs are certainly in better positions today. Um, talent wise and exposure wise than, than MSU. So pretty exciting stuff there. Smart, smart move by, by Mel Tucker. So hopefully um, the running game gets going because I would really like to play with Michigan state in the newly oh. released NCAA football game and not have to take three years to get them up to speed. Yes. But the buried lead there is, Oh joy. The best video game that ever existed, in our humble opinion, is back. And John, there's a difference between opinion and fact. Uh, and this this is just simply a fact. NCW. Well, it's now it's EA Sports College Football. It is they, they sure. are the licensed. Uh, it's, all this means is they're going to create generic rosters, and instead of having the six foot five, two twenty quarterback mirror the actual six foot five, two twenty quarterback at the school. Uh, it's going to be just generic quarterback number one, and then there's going to be open source roster somewhere, and you'll have one psycho sit there and actually create all the players. After about three days, all of it will be available, and you'll be able to play as all of your favorite players very quickly. I was not sure if slash when this would ever actually happen. I allowed myself to believe for the first time when they really started discussing the name, image, and likeness stuff because we were clearly keep, like creeping closer to getting to, hey, we can kind of do this again legally. Um, and I can't believe it's back. I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was playing NCAA 14 for hours at a time. I mean, <laughs> During, I spent, work. <laughs> during work. During <laughs> work. And it just... <laughs> 
I hope none of my bosses don't listen to this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was not, uh, it wasn't pretty and I'm sure it's going to be even uglier when this game comes back. Now it's not supposed to be back for like another year or two years, whatever does not matter. This is a nice piece of a very welcome, good news. And, um, I will say, John, and you brought this up before, and I've thought about this many times as happy as I am, as excited as I am to play with Michigan state again and, and build a roster up. It sucks beyond belief that the last year of this game was Connor Cook's sophomore year. Or was it Connor Cook's freshman year? I don't know. It was the, but... it was the, Buff, it was the Buffalo Wild Wings year is the point. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And so this was pre-Rose Bowl. This was pre-Cotton Bowl. This was, yeah, so it had to be his freshman year. And it was pre, mm-hmm. uh, pre-college football playoffs. So it's so unfortunate I mean, like, I think Jeremy Langford was still a cornerback in this game. Like, <laughs> Andrew Maxwell was the starter. Like, just an absolutely trash roster. And cool. and now somehow we are even further in the hole than we were at that point in time. But still, um, you know, the only thing with that is, like, I used to do dynasties with Michigan State, and then they would actually get good. And I was like, this isn't realistic. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, and now what sucks is that I missed the time when I could have just run the table with them. I should have been like, oh, yeah, this could actually happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. I'm glad we could find a way to make this amazing thing bad. Good for us. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so uh, two questions for you. First, we'll start with the first one. Um, which player do you wish you could have played with the most in those 10 years that MSU missed out on? Hmm. Is there a player from that time? Hmm. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just laughing, thinking of like, to no fault of any quarterback that I've used, I constantly throw into coverage and make terrible decisions. So <laughs> is it any different for me picking Connor Cook? I don't know. <laughs> Seems very authentic. Le'Veon Bell would have been awesome. Yeah. Label would have been a real probably at his peak would have been a good one. Mine is always going to be Jeremy Langford because I just he's my favorite like ever. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I think Prime Tony Lippett would have been a good one as well. But um, maybe I could. The other the other question I have for you is what are you uh, of all of the things that have changed? College football a very different world today than it was yeah. the last time this game came out. Is there one thing that you're excited to see in particular or that you hope they do that they might not do? I want there to be a, like, cheating part of it. Um, (laughs) A bag drop button? You know, I think, I don't know how I'd want it. Like, name image likeness needs to be a part of it. And I don't know how I make that happen. But, like, I need to be able to offer that to my players. Um, or like recruits to keep them happy. I think that's an entire, that's like, man, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, I think that, that is the one thing. Yeah. yeah I, 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 that would be a great one. I think the, I mean, this is an obvious one, but the transfer portal is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose players to it every year and you're going to be able to go like free agent, like, bargain hunting and all this stuff and i think the that's where the money aspect would be really funny it's like 
when you're doing your recruiting pitch, it's like offer a job at a local car dealership. Uh, you know, something <laughs> stupid and <laughs> cheaty like that. Which pick which size bag you'd like to leave on his doorstep. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I can't wait. I'm gonna be counting down the days now. I mean, it's oh, I'm I'm beside myself. I'm so happy. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be amazing. I I here's one thing that I'm looking forward to playing and maybe you could do this i'm just so out of it i'm looking forward to playing with like my friends that have moved across the country like just like re-engaging with them um i feel like when i was playing back in like 2010 that wasn't necessarily a thing so um one quick aside i hope that the game has advanced enough that i can't get good enough to only play defense (laughs) and special teams to score because I think I told you that story where would go entire seasons. I wouldn't allow my team to play offense. I would just play defense and return punts and kicks and, and went all the way to, went undefeated, lost in the national championship game by four and got tackled on the two on a punt return, lost out on the natty zero offensive yards for the entire season. That is dis- disgusting. Sick. Yeah. You need the Not game. Sure. Needs- I need to call EA Sports and be like, guys, <laughs> this is on Heisman. I need you guys to. Do you have a Heisman Plus button? <laughs> How do we do this? I'll pay what for it. Do, do, the, do the sliders go past 100? I mean, like, yeah, it got a little obsessive back there. But, hey, that's what college was for. So um, I'm excited for it. Um, switching gears because I feel like we could talk about NCAA football forever. True. You, talk, you were talking about um, you know, MSU's golden years back there. Kind of related, yesterday and maybe the day before, there were a few, so quite a bit of a, a flurry of discussion about blue bloods, who is and who's not. And before I get into it, um, I would just know Pick 6 Previews does an awesome job of just kind of letting the people decide. Anyone can vote on it. And they send out like a poll and then they include it in their preview mag. And, um, you know, it gets like 100,000 or more people voting. So it's a pretty good idea of what people all across the country think of every program. And as you can imagine, if you aren't on Twitter, a lot of uh, MSU fans were quick to point out that Michigan was not a blue blood. And a lot of Michigan fans were quick to point out that Michigan State basketball was not a blue blood. And um, no one asked for my opinion but I'm going, I'm here and I'm going to give it. I think it's okay to say neither of them are. And I think it's also okay to say before we get too into the weeds, this is a literally impossible thing to discuss because everyone has different uh, parameters and, and measure for what a blue blood is. <laughs> so you can't really have an argument unless you spend a very long time with a person like, laying out what you both agree on to be like the, the measuring sticks. And, um, but otherwise people are just going to be like, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. And frankly, I guess that's what Twitter is. But. And John, that is how the internet was created. <laughs> exactly. You, you figured it out. Um, yeah. I mean, there are like some kind of some standard table stakes, I guess, like to your point, it, it's impossible. That's kind of the beauty of the whole argument. I think there's a handful of things that you like take into account. It's just to what measure do they matter? And it's, you know, guys you put into the pros, uh, 
obviously winning your conference and winning your, you know, national championships, Heisman winners, like those are the general success metrics. I would, I would say typically. And like, the other thing is, I, I think you have to put like uh, almost a line in the sand, like, you know, there can only be X amount of blue bloods. And honestly, there's like time frames because I think we all suffer from, from recency bias. And I think one of the things without spending too much time on it, we were talking about football. I, you and I kind of agree that there might only be three true blue, true blue bloods in football. And one name I think people will all find conspicuously absent uh, is Clemson. I think the three that are, no question blue bloods are Alabama, Ohio state, Oklahoma. I mean, those teams, I mean, Alabama is in a class of above blue blood, whatever the term is mm-hmm. like titanium blood, whatever the most like pure, like unicorn blood. Was, uh, oh, category. I was going to go with Royal blue blood, but okay. Oh, I like that better, but yeah, I'm going to stick with the unicorn either way. Um, but Ohio state, again, they win their conference every year. Oklahoma is more or less doing the same thing. Um, basically when those teams lose, it is shocking. Like it's, it's, it's like, Whoa, this is the biggest news of the week. Um, And they've done it for so long. It's national news when they lose. Yes. Yes. Now Clemson is in that sitting here today, you could make a very real argument that Clemson is the only team that truly can go toe to toe with Bama outside of maybe Ohio state. Like that, that's really it. But, not that long ago, yes, Clemsoning was a very real thing. It was a very real thing where they would get there, you'd see the talent. Wow, they've got the talent, and they would choke. Those of you might remember Taj Boyd, infamous mm-hmm. Clemsoner. But then, you know, you, you hire a guy like Debo Swinney, you have Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence as your quarterbacks for like right. six straight years. And all of a sudden you're as good as it could possibly be. And then DJ Ugalele is probably going to be right up there as well. So now you've turned this thing into a death star, but that's really only, I mean, again, it's an incredible five-year run, but listen, next year they come out and go six and six and somehow the wheels fall off. You know, are they still a blue blood? I don't know. I think you got to give them like, 10 more years of this output before you can have the conversation of being included in Alabama, Ohio state and Oklahoma caliber. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like you said, if, if your older brother can remember, can, you know, like when they were consistently not at this level, then you're not. And, and then the flip of it is like a team like Notre Dame who has had recent, success you know at the caliber of you know college football playoff levels your grandfather would have to tell you about their true reason that they get to be even included in this conversation because that's true i mean it's so it's different notre dame's the one that you'll always get an argument from a lot of different people on because again if it's about putting people in the nfl they do it every single they have some of the nfl Mm -hmm. Great. I mean, they don't have a conference that they can win. So they're like the ultimate trump card of like, yeah, well, we win all our conferences. And they're like, ha ha, we don't have a conference. We're better than conferences. <laughs> you know, but I don't think there's anybody else. I mean, like there are other programs that are that have had incredible runs. Like I think a really interesting one is USC. Like USC was the college football program for, uh, I don't know, close to 10 years. And what have they done in the last 
more than 10. I mean, yeah. since pre-Matt Barkley, they haven't been good. He's been gone for a long time. And <laughs> so I think that's an interesting parallel for Clemson because USC was, I mean, dude, the Matt Liner Reggie, but that was as good as it, that's as good as a peak as any program has ever had. Well, And Clemson is probably at that same level right now. And it, it's just like, yeah, and it can fall off, right? It's just yep. as fast as you can get up that high, it can fall down. And that's why Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma are kind of in a world of their own, you know? I so, agree. So, you know, and then we flip to basketball. I think we both decided that Duke, um, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Kansas were clearly the class, you know, of, of, of college hoops. And, you know, with that thought, you, you here, here's what I would ask our, our Michigan friends. If Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, or Kansas – who are the top four in all-time wins for basketball? If they, if one of those went 17 years without winning their conference, conference, much less a national, a Final Four, or a national championship, would they still be considered a blue blood? And that's a really hard question for me to say yes to. Like you can come down from being a blue blood. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's you can 100 percent lose your blue blood status. There's no I mean, case in point is UCLA. I mean, UCLA is whatever, one of the winningest programs in collegiate history, basically won the national championship a decade straight. You've got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Walton, brother they, shit, Russell John Westbrook, Wooden. like John Wooden, yeah, John Wooden like the creator of the friggin' game of basketball. Well, t- hold on. John Wooden, ahead of his time, King Bagman, like he invented Bagman, it, and yes. he's a pioneer, you know, I, an entrepreneur at that. I appreciate his his contributions to the game. Uh, Bag Elder. He is. And so, you know, but, you know, when you don't do something for, like, they haven't, you know, they made a Final Four in 2008. Is that maybe right? It, yeah. But it, done I mean, it. It, you get dropped. I don't care how many natties you had in the 60s. Like, I'm sorry. And so the same argument kind of goes for, you know, football as it does basketball in our, I think, our opinion. And, you know, there's certainly Michigan State, I guess we would both agree, is kind of in that, probably in that second tier. Consistent. Yeah, I think, I think the difference between the football and basketball is that there you can move around a lot more in basketball uh, in between tiers. And I think that that second tier, like, realistically, I, I mean – Think about it this way. I mean, Kansas, Kentucky, and Duke are all in the Champions Classic. And who's the other team in the Champions Classic? It's Michigan State. You don't just throw a crap program into that mix. You you know, it requires a, level, a, a certain caliber. And I think Michigan State is probably firmly entrenched in that second group, along with some other really, really good programs. I think Villanova, Louisville uh UConn we I might even throw UCLA in there for historical context mm-hmm. and I know there's others as well that are probably in that same time I mean Flor- I think Florida has you know is is pretty sure. historically relevant every year Oklahoma is up there a lot I mean I don't know if they're truly in that second probably not in that second caliber but the point remains you can move around a little bit more I think the competition between true blue blood and kind of that second tier is a little more fierce but yeah I, I listen i don't think msu is you know michigan state would need to get another 
at least one more championship in the next handful of years before they truly are uh, uh, a true blue blood. You know, there's nothing wrong with being team number five, just for the record. Hey, and here's and here's the thing. Little known secret. People forget. Kentucky's only won one since 1998. Mm-hmm. Kansas, Kansas has only won one since, gosh, 80, 88. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, 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 if you're going to go on recency bias, Villanova should be in that group. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, you know, all-time wins, I get, I mean, to an extent are important, but the difference is, like, you know, Duke, UNC, Kentucky, Kansas, they're still um, – you know, in the final four conversations every year. Yeah. So and, and another one to throw comp- in that second group is Gonzaga. See, but again, one, they haven't even won. one. Yeah. No, not in the blue blood, but I mean, thinking that second ish tier, I mean, you know, again, you but win. that's just what it comes down. Exactly. We're arguing about something that doesn't make any. Exactly. Nothing matters. <laughs> the time is a flat circle. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. So man, that was, that was fun, but we're not done yet, folks. <laughs> We are prolonging. We are putting off talking about Michigan State basketball as long as we possibly can. <laughs> we could do this all night. This is called a all night. This is <laughs> this is filibuster at its finest. Um, it kind of got this whole like MSU Michigan kind of like trash talk banter Twitter thing got got me thinking. You know, while Michigan is one of the, it's the best rival you could ask for, truly. Like they mm-hmm. year in and year out give you everything you could ever want, you know, arrogance, you know, inflated expectations, um, little results, but it just keeps coming back every year. It's just it's it's amazing, right? And that's what you want out of a rival. It's like a consistent fire. But I was thinking about the opposite. There are some days where it's like it would. Sometimes I wonder what it'd be like to have no rival. Like what experience is that like to be a Missouri or a Boston college or a Rutgers, you know, like where you don't have anyone that hates you and you frankly can don't hate anyone else. You just sort of live Mm -hmm. in your world of maybe hatred of your own team. And that's it. I think that's a, that's a great, I mean, I was just going to ask you, would you rather have a hated rival or none at all? What do you think? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, there are times as I get, older where i start to think i really shouldn't care so much about what other people are doing and how other teams are doing and scheidenfraud shouldn't bring me so much pure unadulterated joy but the fact of the matter is when you have a rival that you truly truly despise um I would say that it is as close to as good as having a team that you truly love as you can get. It gives you another think about it, it gives you another pathway to joy every single night where it, with with fewer consequences. Like when I watch Michigan State basketball and they succeed, I'm not in a regular season game. I'm I'm not that excited. I'm like, OK, great. They, they won most years. They won the games they should win when they lose. Devastated. Other side of the ball, if, you know, if Michigan basketball wins, you know, no sweat off my back, whatever, not my team, don't have to pay attention. When they lose, it is bliss. It is joy that is that is only outdone by the joy I feel for Michigan State winning. And I think at times, dependent on the situation, 
somewhat more enjoyable that they lost than we even won. Like uh, there are points when, for, for instance, Michigan makes it to the the um, national championship game against Villanova and gets run out of the building. That made me happier and maybe even more relieved than MSU winning, you know, their second round game some years. It's like it's this it's it's really sad. And it's that it, it is where my pettiness as a sports fan, which I am a self, I am an admittedly remarkably petty, a petty, petty king when it comes to sports. Like it's where my pettiness is allowed to come out and I can't help myself. I, I, I love having a rival. And to your point, John, Michigan, just never change. They, they, please, I am begging you, never, ever, ever change. They, it, it, they are the best rival possible for all of the reasons you listed. Because watching somebody ascend so high and just sitting here now, just being like, you know, if you're sitting next to somebody, imagine you're sitting next to a younger version of yourself. And, you know, that younger version of you is watching all of this and being like, God, this sucks. They're saying they're going to be so good. They're ranked so high. Like, this is BS. We're better than them. We're did it. And you get all worked up. I imagine my older self now looking over at that younger person and just saying, just wait, just give it, just, just wait, just give it a minute. It's like, or that younger version of me sitting there in the fall of 2008 is thinking, ah, this Michigan team's in the top five. They could actually win a national championship. They've got Mike Hart. <laughs> You've got Mario Manningham. They've got Chad Henney. Like this, this might actually be a good team. I'm so nervous. Da, 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 da. Like, you know, older me looks over like uh, like Splinter to a young Ninja Turtle. <laughs> says, Just wait, young man. Young turtle, just wait until the end of week one. Go watch Joe Webb, have some fun, and then run back to your dorm at about the fourth quarter. You're gonna, you will not regret it. Um, wow, what yeah, that's an analogy for you. So. You know, you know what's interesting, Austin, is I think a lot of the folks that you know don't have a rival and kind of need to place that hatred yeah. somewhere, they tend to do it to the blue bloods. Yeah, exactly. That's why, you, that's why you see people hate Duke, you know, in Kentucky, in Kansas. It, it, it's mostly people who have a program that is irrelevant or they just don't have any place to put their uh, their online anger when they're tired of beating their own team to death on the message board. So it's it's healthy. I think it's healthy to have a rival. Somebody listen, whether you want to admit it or not, everybody's got that. Everybody needs that release. And this is just this is just our way of achieving it. We're not hurting anybody. Some people might. We're not going to. Austin, rivalry hatred is you just said is healthy. It's also healthy to um, from time and again to hate your own team. And if you stick with <laughs> us through this commercial break, there'll be no shortage. Uh, that was good. That was good. OK, here we go. We're taking a break and we're going to I guess we have to come back. All right. Whatever. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Uh, I can continue the filibuster as long as I'm like, we're, yeah, I mean, 
I, you know, I ask you this sometimes, but I truly, truly mean it, right? Do we have to do this? Mm, oh, we don't have to do anything. I just. No, we do. We do. Damn it. Okay. All right. Well. You know what this reminds me of? The, uh, the meme of uh, Hannibal Burris saying, ha, 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 this sucks, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. I, I watch this humor TV, in anything. and it's just not good. I can find humor in anything. And, um, you know, I, I have to admit to the dear listener, during the 67 to 37 loss at Rutger, the first loss in Michigan State history to in basketball to Rutgers, I say if you're going to do it, I mean, do it, but lose by 30. Like, yeah. let's go for it, right? I don't need to lose Listen, a buzzer. They, they certainly did that. I mean, scoring 37 points in a game. That's like, pretty like, awesome. I, I get it that you missed three weeks. I get that Gabe Brown wasn't there. But Gabe pardon, the, Brown pardon the language here. Pardon, pardon the language here, but holy shit, guys. Like, <laughs> this is – like. Like, like, wow. I mean, this this was this was really bad. It was really bad. Like, it was really bad. I don't know how else to put it. Like, what I what it I I think I actually blame I actually I definitely blame the coaches for this one in particular more than the players. Players should have been rested. That's great. But but listen, they got to go out there and they got to work off rust. Their rotations thrown off a bit whatever but the fact of the matter is the coaches changed like if i were to look at them and say so so you know uh, put yourself in office space and be like, so what would you say you do here what do you, you you take the files to the receptionist like no my you take the files upstairs no my receptionist does that for me so what would you say <laughs> you do here i'm a people person you're clearly not i i don't know i'm just i'm, I'm shocked by the lack of of anything that was prepared for, for this game. I mean, it, it's just this season to me. And, and again, I've said it before that, you know, I'm personally trying to just take all expectation out of this season. Um, but it's just so, I mean, first of all, you have to kind of take a step back and be like, listen, even the best programs look at North Carolina last year, North Carolina missed the tournament last year or would have had there been a tournament. They were just awful. And it happens to good teams. Kentucky this year. Kentucky's under 500. They're worse than Michigan State somehow. Um, it happens from time to time. But uh, I'm shocked by the by the, the the poor job this team has done from coaching to playing to just to just the, the I really I think what it is, and I'm stammering here, but like the lack of answers, what Michigan state has done so well forever, forever, every single season, including last year is they found a way to get better at the worst parts of their game and to, and to play to their strengths. Right. They don't have strengths (laughs) and they can't find even like they can't find one in none of the, like no, there's not a single player aside from, I'm going to get struck by lightning after I say this, but aside from Marcus Bingham against Rutgers, that actually looked like they took a positive half step forward or had progressed that all this season. I mean, everyone, everyone 
everyone looks bad. And that is just not something you expect from Michigan State ever. So wait, wait. I'm sorry. I can only laugh because that's what I do when I get uncomfortable. Uh, (laughs) I just envision like – I'd like to like walk in as a third party to the team and be like, all right, guys, usually, you know, when we want to, you know, work on ourselves, we got to start with what we know. So here's a, this is called a SWOT analysis, everybody. Okay. I got the whiteboard here. Strengths, staring at the group blankly. Okay. We're going to skip that one. All right. That one, (laughs) we're going to put that one in the parking (laughs) lot. Got it. Weaknesses. Oh boy. I'm going to go down the list. You kind of hit on one thing, Austin. If at nothing else, MSU teams will, will out tough you. This team does not tough. They are they are physically and mentally weak. And I hate saying that, but it's true. You don't. I mean, spin zone. <laughs> MSU had to have Rutgers uh, get a big dub so that Michigan State's win against them <laughs> looked better. Mm, great point. Really, People, that's that's solid logic right there. I like hey, that. Hey, thanks. But but in reality, MSU teams don't let teams get 15 offensive rebounds. Like, come on. Michigan State teams do turn the ball over. That's a consistent thing. Do you have 21? Does your best player have six? Come on. Like, guys, it's, it's one thing to, to have, like, bad games. This team's just – it's not a bad game. They just can't shoot. They're just bad. Well, and part of it, Austin, I think I'll I'll go beyond, you know, maybe why, you know, things aren't going very well. I think I want to say I put this on Twitter. It's like sometimes when when you can't get a shot to fall or you're just not a good shooting team, maybe you should move away from being a jump shooting team. And when like that's kind of obvious, right? But there's no one on the team that MSU feels comfortable throwing the ball to on the block. There's no one on the team that MSU feels comfortable being able to get in the lane and, and make the defense react. There's no sets to do it. Every set is for a jump shot. And, like, the horn sets are nice because they, they create, you know, options for players. But none of the players are confident in their ability to do anything but settle for jump shots, and of which they're not very good at. So, like, uh, it, it's, it's a bummer to watch because at the very least, if you're not, you know, efficient, you like to think that you're going to outgrit somebody. But, man, that didn't happen against Rutgers. And, you know, they, you know, then they had a chance to, to bounce back at Ohio State. And he lost by 17 and Ohio State put up 79 points. Like, I, I think the thing, and I'm sorry, I'm going to let you talk. I, I just want to get at one more thing. It's not just the players either. This this has been malpractice. When you are putting Thomas Kithier and Joey Hauser in positions where they cannot succeed, like defending Big Ten front courts, it's unfair to them. It's unfair. And there are guys on the team that are capable at the very least of doing better than what they are capable of doing simply for physical um, shortcomings. That's it. And when your team starts off a game down 15 nothing, and you crawl back to get within six at halftime, and then you put those starters that got down 15 to nothing back out there to start the second half, I got to ask what you thought was going to happen. What would change? And, you know, yeah. you got away from them. 
So I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, to put it bluntly, Thomas Kithier is not a Big Ten rota- rotation player. He, he is he is simply not qualified to can do I, the job. Can I push back on that? He is sure. if you ask him to play eight minutes a game. Yes, I, I agree. But it, I mean, that's not a rotation player. Well, that's what a, I mean, like that's an eight minute a game third string. But like a junk, he is a. I'm. I realize I may be the last and only person that defends Thomas Kip here. But if he is your fourth or fifth best big, which he's supposed to be on this team, sure, that is a good thing. He is a capable, net neutral contributor if you put him in limited minutes with the appropriate surrounding cast. Okay. So, so everything you're saying is why he's not a Big Ten caliber player. Like, if you have to put that many conditions on why a guy should only play, why a guy should be on the team but only play eight minutes a game and only with the right players, like to me, that's 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 what that's a Kobe Wollenman, that's a Mike Keebler, that's an Austin Thornton, like yeah. a guy where you're like, well, shit, we literally have nobody else we can play. Instead, you're okay. making the the conscious decision to mm-hmm. start him over. Julius Marble, who is at a minimum, at a mm-hmm. minimum, a more athletic, better version of that exact same garbage man. Again, maybe a guy you only play under certain conditions, but mm-hmm. there's certainly fewer conditions mm-hmm. under which you, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's less. And then Bingham, again, I'm remarkably disappointed in Marcus Bingham's lack of development. But again, at, at least he's at this point, I've like almost come all the way around because like, what's the worst that could happen? He's seven feet tall. And he's got long arms. Like mm-hmm. at, at, if nothing else, this kid is going to cause some type of problem for somebody. Well, like Thomas Kithier does nothing. Yeah, we've talked about that, that Marcus Bingham has a has a thing that he is very, very good at. And if you only ask him to do that thing, then he can do it. If you ask him to do many things like be a scorer, like, you know, um, be the be a communicator on defense besides just a one-on-one post defender and, and quick help side. Right. That then it's not going to work. But you're right. Like he is capable of doing something. To your point, Thomas Kithier at best can come and spell minutes. And unfortunately, yeah. um, he's been he's been you know being put in situations where he's being asked to do way more than that. It's just a. I think the biggest issue with this team is that, you know, you were counting on the big three, if you will, of Rocket Watts, Joey Hauser, and Aaron Henry to bring, to to facilitate everything offensively for your team. And you really had no plan B at point guard, aside from A.J. Hogard, who honestly, again, is getting what you would expect out of a true freshman point guard whose first year is in a pandemic. Like, you're, you're, you can't possibly complain about what he is giving to you. Um I don't know which one of those other three players is the biggest disappointment. I mean, I, I don't think it's Henry because Henry's kind of giving you a souped up version of what he was. I mean, to expect him to take a massive, it, it's disappointing in that he can't, didn't take this massive step forward, but to look at his Let's lack of Henry. progress. Go Let's ahead. talk about Henry real quick because yeah, I do want to go one by one. But Aaron Henry, I'd like to just recalibrate where everybody's at. His freshman year was the fifth highest ranked recruit, the worst of the five freshmen. Appropriately ranked in the 150s, I believe. And he's exactly where you would want someone to make a progression and beyond. 
right. in the Big Ten, right? If you are that level of recruit, if he you are at where he is now as a junior, you need to be thrilled with that. Now, maybe that means he was inaccurately rated. I don't know. But the point that I'm going to go to bat for Aaron Henry is he's where maybe you should expect, right? It, I, it is not his shortcoming that the fact that he's the best player on this team, it's not his fault that he's that there aren't players that are better than him. I'll like, buy that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's the he's the probably worst best player on a team since Travis Trice, mm-hmm. who took them to a Final Four for what it's worth, or Drew Neitzel. Like, it's who's an All American? Yeah, when it's not good when they are your best players, though, right? Like, no, I way I agree. More, you need way more. Well, I think the worst part, the reason why those two teams, why those two teams with those two players as their best players were more successful than this team is looking like it's going to be is because those two players, if nothing else, were great shooters and they could bail you out of bad situations and they had the ball in their hands all the time. So like if you're going to be bad and you're going to be less talented, you want at least your best player to be the one who can score the most, you know what I mean? Like can, can, can shoot the shots that are worth the most points and can make the plays that he needs, you know, has the ability to make plays more often. Aaron Henry is uh, in an, in, you know, in a vacuum, uh, a pretty damn good player, but as the best player on a team, it's just not, it's not going to work, but he is of those three easily the least disappointing to me. I'm not sure who I consider to be the most. I lean rocket, but I actually think, Joey Hauser, man, uh, especially for he's, how he started out, I think I would say he's less disappointing only because I don't necessarily know that anybody could have ever said, oh, this guy is going to be really good independent of what's around him. Like, I don't think that was ever going to be the case. Um, he's clearly a very talented player, but he's a guy that has to play with someone who's going to set him up. And with a, you know, uh, a front court mate who can challenge some shots and can clear some space for him and attract some of the defense. He's not an independently great, you know, player. And you're seeing it kind of kind of play out here because his front court mates just don't give him just don't just don't give him anything. Um, And again, you can't always go blaming the other pieces for why you're not working successfully. But again, if he's the second best player on this team and Aaron Henry's the first realistically they should be i'd say second if you're talking about a national championship level team which is the standard michigan state should hold themselves to from a roster these guys are ideally at i i don't know they're both probably the third best player on a truly great team and they are one in two on this team and that's just just not a recipe for success at all and go ahead so Austin, that's interesting you bring up because I think there was a that was a huge void that was identified at the beginning of the season, is that Joey Hauser and Aaron Henry were fantastic second and or third bananas on some really good teams. Joey at Marquette with his brother and um, um, Mar- Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard, thank you. Fantastic complimentary player. Well. They I, they were unable to take the leap to first and second best player from those second and third best player roles 
that they had had in previous years on different teams. That sucks. Um, and to your point, like Joey Hauser, I just feel like there's a, there's something there. He just, it's just like, there's just like, he's not quite sure he's passive. He's able to do old man moves in the post, which is kind of nice because he's the only one that can do it on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. But like, and then you're like, you need to shoot more. But then the shot selection is sometimes like forced. It just seems like he's never been comfortable. And a lot of that comes with um, not being the guy. Or you it know, all, it all stems from the most disappointing player on this entire roster, and that's it. Rocket Watts. Yep. It, it, the source of everything comes from Rocket's complete and total inability to even come close to stepping into Cassius Winston's shoes. Now, again, to preface this, the expectation was never, ever for Rocket to become what Cassius was. You, he's he's on the Michigan State Mount Rushmore for a reason. He was a National Player of the Year candidate for a reason. There, you don't just find that again, and that's not what people. And you don't honestly to have this team be even just call it good, above average, tournament worthy. You don't even need him to be that. You don't. Right. You truly do not need that. What you need is something better or similar to what you had in the second half of last year. What you cannot have, what you absolutely cannot have is the version of Rocket Watts that you have right now. Someone who takes inefficient shots, does not distribute the ball effectively, does not guard well, and is not athletic enough to do what you talked about earlier and get to the rack and create your own chances. I mean, talk about a jump shooting problem. Rockets, that's all he can get. He can't get to the rack. He's not athletic. I've never even seen him dunk. I mean, he he doesn't get fouled. He doesn't really do anything that stands out. He just takes these step back threes or these little runner floaters that are super inefficient. He is he is the antithesis, in my opinion, in terms of his style of play of a of a Michigan State player. And he needs to be the one that gets this offense going. I mean, it has to be him. And it clearly is not going to be that's the ultimate issue with this team is the answers are not on this roster like, like unless you are getting unless you are getting some uh, shocking second half of the season turnaround from rocket or aj hogard proves to be one of the five best point guards in the big 10 out of absolutely nowhere don't expect that to happen you don't have anyone that's going to create for you foster lawyer is always going to be limited and you know <laughs> John, I hate to say this to you, but it looks like a recruiting absolute miss at this point in time. Like none of the other guys have developed. You have you don't have another creator available to to go to. And I think the blame the blame to me falls on the coaches more than the players because like yeah, Rocket can't do some of these things, but the guys who recruited him and the guys who coach him and the guys who are trying to instruct him to become something different ultimately have failed at their jobs. And I'm not going to pin that on the 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid as much mm-hmm. as I'm going to pin it on the people who are in charge of his development and in his year every day about what he should be doing. And honestly, not even just with Rocket. With decisions like Thomas Kithier, it's shocking. With the lack of development of Marcus Bingham, it's shocking. Gabe Brown, again, great corner spot up three guy. No development in his game. He still can't dribble. Aaron Henry still can't shoot. I mean, I look up and down the roster and I don't know that anybody has taken. I mean, Josh Langford's the a lesser version of what he was before. I'm not going to blame him. He's coming back from so many injuries. But, you know, you don't 
you don't have anybody that has evolved. And that's what Michigan State has done so well forever until this year is you've always had one or two guys. Mm-hmm. Think about Matt McQuaid. Think about Kenny Goins. I mean, think about Cassius. I mean, Josh Langford is another great example. These guys take steps forward Denzel every single Valentine. year. Matt, Matt Costello, Denzel yep. Valentine, Bryn Forbes. I mean, these dudes take one to two steps every year. Draymond Green, one to two steps every year. And it's that way you have some type of pipeline of guys ready to go. And somehow this year, it's either it's one of two things. I'm either. First of all, I'm I'm very disappointed by the lack by the development overall in the roster. But if this coaching staff was really like, oh, Rocket Watts will figure it out. Mm -hmm. And they came up this short. Mm -hmm. Like that to me says lack of judgment, lack of preparedness, lack of uh, of actual attention to detail coaching. And, and again, I understand it's a pandemic. All of that is, is, is not lost on, on us, but like, yeah, I I, I don't know. It's just crazy. I refuse to accept that because I I mean, you, all the points you just said, you know, that's just such an easy, you know, like excuse. Every other team has the pandemic, you know? Absolutely. So like I'm out kind of out on that the other thing is like it's all about finding at this point like what are your guys capable of doing well just like one by one and then instead of having man i think our buddy will hunter put together how many roster or um combinations Izzo and stevens have thrown out there hundreds you can't have that and they were not all like COVID-19 related, just mishmashing, throwing things out there. Dude, we're at game, what, 14 tonight? Yeah. Like, come on. And so I think that's really frustrating because you're like, w- w- what do you think is going to happen when you keep putting different mishmashed people together out there? Do you think it's just going to click and work all of a sudden? Right. You know, you got to get some familiarity. Um, and then the other piece is like, if once you figure out what everyone is capable of being good at, then you need to create the the um, the lineups, the you know the the groupings based on that. Like if Rocket Watts can't rebound or steal the ball or shoot, like what are you good at? Well, I can right. get in the lane whenever I want. I, I I can get a shot, maybe not a good shot, but I can do that. Okay, put that over here. Aaron Henry, what are you good at? Well, you know, um, I, I'm pretty versatile. I can guard a lot. I have a pretty good short post game. You, you see how like, it, and then you just like create a lineups based on that, not just like, shit. I don't know. Try this. Try this. It's just like really uh, hard to watch. Uh, I will say that if, and this might be this might be but this stepping over the line a bit, but. I think if you didn't, have, if it wasn't Tom Izzo and proven mm-hmm. coaches, you would have names on the chopping block right now for think, this level of performance. I think also, I, I, I don't even think that they, that should necessarily be off the table for some of the assistants. I'm not saying fire Tom Izzo. Don't do no. not misconstrue this. That's an insane, insane, insane thing that I would never say. But the assistants, like but dude, if, if Richard, were, this is this is somebody's fault, right? Yeah, if Richard Pitino's throwing that out there. You know, if, if, um, right. I mean, like be crucified. And the other thing is a little bit for working in Michigan state's advantage is that all the other blue bloods we talked about earlier segment having terrible years. 
mm-hmm. like the ones that are like a step above Michigan State, you know, from a, a, a premier program standpoint are having as bad or worse years. And that kind of right. takes the takes the you know burden off of a little bit or at least the spotlight off of, of Michigan State. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, you know, for me, for what it's worth, you say, OK, what are the solutions? Dude, you got to play A.J. Hogard. Get, like if the season's not going to go great, get him better because next year, ideally, you know, because he's a pass first, pass second point guard. Unfortunately, he's passing first and passing second to guys who can't shoot. Right. Next year, that changes. You know, Max Christie yeah. can shoot the lights out. Amani Bates, I mean, if he, you know, when he comes, if he comes, guys, he's open wherever he gets the ball. You know, so like Jay Nakins too. I mean, this is I mean. there. There is reinforcements are on the way. I That's think what I'm saying you. Act, you act, I well for 100 percent in the short term. You, you you have to play him and you have to play Maddie Sissoko and you have to. In my opinion, you you got to play Julius Marvel. You you have no choice here. Like, listen, Josh uh-huh. Langford, love you, buddy. You're a you're a friggin' warrior, a hero. I can't play you 20 minutes a game. I just simply can't do it. Uh, Thomas Kithier, hey, thanks for three good years. Staple your ass to the bench. Marcus Bingham, you know, I'd play him now just because you got to play somebody. But Sissoko and Marble, to me, jump up in that rotation. I mean, why not? If you're Like you said, if you're going to be bad, be bad with young guys that can actually contribute next year. But I think you bring up an interesting potential ramification to this bad season because when you come into this season, you're looking at next year's roster. Um, you were looking at a, a number of uh scholarships that were based upon a couple of perceived uh certainties if you will that you had a couple of these guys that are these big three disappointing people that we talked about at least one probably honestly probably at least two if not all three we assumed we're going to go to the pros i I don't know i I mean i'm not saying it doesn't happen i'm not saying people you know certain guys don't go the nick ward route of just being like listen i'd rather go make money Mm -hmm. the g league or germany or china or wherever than play in michigan state again like but that that's where you're going like aside from aaron henry that's where if rocket watts wants to leave michigan state if joey hauser wants to leave michigan state I'm sorry, you're you're probably not getting drafted. So like it brings up a really interesting potential crunch in next year's numbers. And you have to wonder where do some players go? Who might those players be? Does it keep some people from reclassifying? I don't know. It just brings up a very interesting wrinkle and potentially some tough conversations that need to be need to be had with some of these guys. Yeah, and we'll explore all of that as the season progresses. Um, as you mentioned, Aaron Henry, I think he's still solidly on um some draft boards just because of his versatility. Um, and I agree with that. And his, his shooting while leaving a ton to be desired is not quite nearly as um, troubling as some of the other guys on the team. So it doesn't mean Aaron Henry is going to make a roster in the NBA in his first year, but it doesn't mean he also can't get drafted and stashed. So, um, but beyond him, yeah, things get a little dicey, right? With the scholarship situation, but Hey, if you're listening to this, you are either, just got off the Iowa game um, or you chose to not watch it. I don't know. God bless you either way. Uh, we, we hope, we hope it was, um, you found some joy somewhere in there, but um, 
I mean, what, do you have anything else to say about the basketball situation? I mean, man, it's 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 pretty bleak, as bleak as I can remember, right? No, it's as bleak as it's ever been. I mean, it, there's no there's no sugarcoating it. There's no no reason to. It sucks. I mean, we we've had these earnest discussions about football before, just <laughs> calling a spade a spade, and Dude. we're at that same point now. I, I at least think that like, like we're not looking at a decade long turn down here for no. LSU. We're not looking at the end of the Izzo era. I think if we are looking at a one year really unfortunate put together roster next year you know maybe some of these names well, certainly some of these names are are going to change whether Amani Bates is part of it or not I don't know why we're cl- cl- like qualifying that now by the way like there's nothing to suggest that anything's changed with him but everyone's like, terrified like, of bad yes uh, understandably but assuming even assuming let's let's go down the worst case scenario say he's not there you've still got Max Christie you've still got Jade Nakins you've probably still got Enoch Boache you've still got Pierre Brooks I mean those four guys alone, Aikens, Aikens, Christie, and Brooks are the three that are coming no matter what, no matter what happens, are immediate, immediate upgrades over Langford, over, I would say, Gabe Brown, over Foster, over, you know, these are three dudes that are going to play over Rocket, maybe potentially even. I mean, you're, you're talking about like you are going to improve the bad spots of your team very quickly. And if Boache and Bates are part of that, I mean, you're talking potentially about your, you know, five dudes who are not going to be your five starters, but are probably five of your top seven players at worst. This reminds me of the 2011 season, but at the very least about that 2011 basketball season coming off of a final four, which by the way, this team is coming off of a mythical national championship. If you recall, correct. Um, Championship hangover. Exactly. At least that 2011 team had rumors, I guess later proven to be true, about maybe why there were some problems. Yeah. Um, some inter uh, interrelationship issues. <laughs> you're unclear. Players are a little too close. Yeah. If you're unclear, uh, feel free to ask. Go look it up. You go to Wikipedia. Yeah. There was just some confusion over who was dating whom, I think. So, um, you know, but at least you could point to something. This is just kind of like a mess without a root cause. And that's kind of the frustrating part. So, yep, I'm with you. Um, But yeah, no, no point in previewing these games. I mean, Iowa will be over by the time people listen to this. Nebraska, maybe MSU gets a little reprieve and wins a game. Who knows? But yeah. Hey guys, listen, it's not all doom and gloom. We're NCAA football's coming back. Uh, and you know, other stuff too, I'm sure. <laughs> Hang in there, folks. We will Hang promise there, to bring a ton of entertaining stuff, uh, topics. We'll try and do the similar things like we did at the beginning. Filibustering as long as we can until uh, until yes. the basketball season and Austin, I know it's your favorite child, but um, man, this is this is I've um, I just don't know if I'm strong enough, John. We're gonna find out. I I'll, I'll, I will fully reveal whether I am strong enough to to mother this team next week. I'll let you all know. Proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, that's it. I think we're done here. Um, <laughs> as always, thanks for sticking with us, folks, and and we promise we'll be in good mood soon. But um, as always, thanks for sticking with us and we'll catch you next week. Yeah.